وَلَا يَحْزَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And never should the disbelievers think. لَا يَحْزَبَنَّ From husband to assume, to think. So they should never ever think that أَنَّمَا That indeed that which نُمْلِي لَهُمْ We are giving respite to them is خَيْرٌ لِأَنفُسِهِمْ It is better for themselves. نُمْلِي is from the root letters ميم لَمْ وَاو And the word مَلْرُ is to walk briskly. To race. What does it mean? To walk briskly, to race. And the word gives the meaning of طول, length. So for example, malwa maliyya min al-dahr is a long period of time. And it also gives the meaning of wus'ah, vastness, abundance. Mala is used for desert. And desert is huge, vast. So, imla. What does it mean then? Imla is to give a long and enjoyable life. Long and enjoyable. So it's not just a long life of 70, 80, 90 years that is full of misery and illness. No. It's a long life that is filled with happiness and enjoyment and luxury and money and you know good experiences and happiness and joy. This is what Imla is. Okay? For example, a person does something really, really bad. It's possible that Allah will punish him immediately and take his life away. Don't we have this fear that when we do something wrong, we might die the next moment? Right? But Allah does not take the life of a person away. He lets him live. For example, mushrikeen, they were opposing the Prophet ﷺ for years and years, for decades. But did they all die instantly? No. They were allowed to live. And what kind of lives were they living? Lives of difficulty? No. They were experiencing joy and happiness and victory. They did whatever they wanted to. They harmed whoever they wanted to. So this is what imla is. So Allah says that they should never think that whatever indulgence we are giving them, whatever chance we are giving them to live, to survive, is actually good for them. Because if a person sees that despite his wrongdoing, he is living a happy life. Despite his wrong actions, you know, he's not dying, he's still alive, he still has money, then he thinks that what he's doing is good. He thinks that what he's doing is okay. It doesn't matter. Isn't that so? Which is why many times we ask, that why is it that if there are some people who disbelieve, still they're so well off? If there are people who are so disobedient, who oppose the deen, who ridicule the deen, still they have so much power. Do you ever ask these questions? Yeah? Have you heard people asking these questions? Everyone asks such questions. That why is it that you say these people are wrong and yet they are successful in worldly terms? Allah says, never think that this is good for them. It's not good for them. إِنَّمَا نُمْلِي لَهُمْ The reason why Allah lets them live lets them enjoy, lets them experience goodness in life, is so that لِيَزْدَادُوا إِثْمًا So that they may increase in sin. يَزْدَادُوا is from ziyada, زَيَّادَال To increase. He lets them live so that they can increase in sin. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابُ muhin And for them is a humiliating punishment from هَوَا وَنُونَ Because the longer they will live, the more sins they will commit. The more sins they commit, the more punishment they are promising to themselves 
in the hereafter. So we see that long life in itself is not something that is good. Okay? Long life is only good when a person is righteous. Many times we hear people giving this dua, May Allah give you a long life. In every language perhaps this dua exists. Right? Like for example, they say, Jite raho, keep living. Right? Meaning, may Allah give you a long life. But long life in itself is not something that's great. It could be very dangerous for a person. Because the longer he lives, the more sins he can commit. The more disobedient he can become to Allah. And you know, the older people grow, the more firm they become in their habits. The more difficult it is for them to give up their wrong ways. Correct? So over here we see that someone who lives a long life that is full of sin and disobedience is worse for him. Because he will earn so much sin and in the hereafter, he will have no reward, only a whole lot of punishment which he fully deserves. So what should we ask Allah for? A long and happy life? That's it? Huh? Or a short life? That oh Allah don't let me live beyond the age of 30. Yeah? Is this what we should ask for? What should we ask for? Yes. A productive, beneficial, good life. However long it is. The length, remember, it doesn't matter. It is beneficial for the believer, but it doesn't matter that much. The Prophet ﷺ, at what age did he die? Hmm? In the 60s, right? There are people who live past the age of 80, who live past the age of 100. But do they accomplish what the Prophet ﷺ accomplished? No. Have you heard of the book Riyadh al-Salihin? Yeah? Who's the author of that book? Imam al-Nawawi. You know how old he was when he passed away? He was in his 30s. He was in his 30s. He wasn't an old man. No, he was very young when he passed away. Many, many scholars of Islam, they accomplished a lot even in their short lives. And they did something that people are not even able to accomplish in very long lives. So at the end of the day, what's important is a good, righteous, productive, beneficial life. Regardless of its length. In a hadith we learned that a person said, O Messenger of Allah, which people are the best? He said, those whose life is long and their actions are good. So a person whose life is long and the actions are good, that person is the best person. Then the man asked, and what people are the worst? And the Prophet ﷺ replied, whose life is long and his actions are bad. You know when a person does something good, like for example, he maintains good relations with his relatives, and especially those who cut off from him, he joins with them, right? He joins the relations with relatives. Then this person, Allah blesses him with a long life. In a hadith, that's what we learn. That whoever wants to have barakah in his rizq and his life to be extended, then he should be good towards his relatives. He should maintain good relations with them. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him a long life? So that he can do more good. So remember, when a person does good, then Allah will lengthen his life for him so that he can do more good. And when a person does evil, then Allah will lengthen his life for him so that he can do more evil. So don't be deceived by the current state of affairs. Don't be deceived by your present situation. Always rush towards goodness. 
Allah would never leave the believers. means it's not possible. It is impossible. It cannot even be imagined that Allah would that He would leave the believers. Yadara from the root letters is to leave, to abandon. As it is. So Allah would never ever leave who? Al-Mu'mineen, the believers. Allah upon, meaning on the condition that ma antum alayhi. On which you are. Meaning Allah would never leave the believers in the state of affairs, in the condition that you are presently in. What does it mean by this? In this world, right now, we see that the true believers, they are hidden Amongst two, the rest of the people. There are three types of people. One are pure disbelievers. Who are they? Who clearly show with their actions, with their statements that they don't believe. Okay? They're distinguished. Aren't they distinguished? They're clear. Then there's another kind of people. Who are they? The believers. Okay? Those who are sincere in their faith. And then there are a third kind of people. And who are they? those who are insincere believers or insincere people, whether it is the hypocrites, whatever level of hypocrisy they have. So we see that the disbelievers, they're distinguished. But the pure believers are mixed with who? With those who are insincere. Isn't that so? Meaning, you can't tell if a person is really sincere in their faith. Correct? Because we don't know what's in the heart of another individual. We don't know. Now we see that there are ten people. All ten of them can claim that they believe in Allah, they love the deen, they love the Prophet ﷺ, they can do anything for the deen, they will sacrifice anything for the deen. All ten of them can claim this. Okay? And from the apparent it seems that all are very sincere. But there are those who are sincere amongst them and those who are insincere amongst them. And this was true even at the time of who? The Prophet ﷺ. There were people who were sincere and there were people who were insincere. People who prayed with the Prophet ﷺ. There were those amongst them who were sincere in their faith. And there were those amongst them in whose hearts was only disbelief. When the Prophet ﷺ left for Uhud, there were people who were sincere and there were people who were insincere. So Allah says that He will never leave the believers in this state, that they are hidden. No. Allah will expose those who are true in their faith, and Allah will expose those who are insincere in their faith. So at the battle of Uhud, what happened? A thousand people left with the Prophet ﷺ, and apparently it seemed that all of them were righteous, all of them were sincere, but did Allah not show who the true believers were? Yes. When 300 men left the Prophet ﷺ, it became very clear who was obedient and who was disobedient. Who follows the messenger and who refuses to accept the authority of the messenger. It became evident. So Allah will never leave the believers in the state that you are on, hatta until yamiza. He will separate. He will distinguish. Yamiza is from the root letters mim yazai. Maiz is to distinguish, to separate things on the basis of priority. So for example, things are mixed up. And then you distinguish, this is good, 
this is bad. So you separate and you distinguish each and every one of them. So he will distinguish what? Al-Khabis, the impure, min al-tayyib, from the pure. The impure and the pure are mixed up. He is going to separate them and he is going to show who is pure and who is impure. How? How is he going to show? By telling someone. By putting in the heart of an individual that this person is sincere and this person is insincere. So a person goes around passing verdicts that, oh hypocrite and oh truthful person, oh jannati and oh person of hellfire. Is this how Allah informs? No, not at all. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ And Allah is not going to لِيُطْلِعَكُمْ That He informs you from إِطْلَعْ طَالَمْ عَيْنْ Which is to inform, to notify. So He will never inform you عَلَى الْغَيْبِ About the unseen. Allah is not going to tell you about the unseen. That every believer, you know, He is told in His dream that, oh, this person is a hypocrite and this person is a believer. No, He's not going to tell you of the unseen. وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ But Allah يَجْتَبِي He selects from Jin Bawaw to select. He selects مِن رُسُلِهِ From His messengers مَنْ يَشَاءُ Whomever He wills. Meaning Allah only informs of the unseen to who? To the messenger whom He selects. And even that messenger, Allah does not tell him everything. Allah tells him only some matters of the unseen. So for example, the Prophet ﷺ, he was informed of who the munafiqeen were and who the believers were. He was informed by Allah who the hypocrites were. And the Prophet ﷺ shared the names of the hypocrites with who? With one of the companions, Hudayfa bin Yaman. Only one companion. He did not publicize that list. So Allah did inform him. But does Allah inform everyone? No. He only informs who? His messengers. So if there's anyone who claims that I know who's sincere and who's not, then that person is lying. And we are making a judgment that we do not have the authority to make. You know, we are not allowed to say this person is going to paradise and this person is going to hellfire. We're not allowed to say that. We're not allowed to make such judgments. Remember that story of that man who passed away at one of the battles and the people, they kept coming to the Prophet ﷺ and they kept saying that so-and-so is a shaheed and so-and-so is a shaheed. And the Prophet ﷺ said, he's not a shaheed. He's not. I see him in the hellfire. Why? Because of a shawl that he stole from the war booty. A shawl that he stole from the war booty. Because of that, he's in hellfire. So, we don't know the unseen. We can never make such judgments. You know, in a hadith we learn that a person may be performing the actions of the people of Jannah, but in reality, he's of the people of hellfire. And a person may be performing the actions of the people of hellfire. On the apparent, it seems that he's going to go to hellfire, but he will end up in Jannah. So we don't know. We don't have the authority to make such judgments. So Allah will not tell you of the unseen, and He only chooses from His messengers whomsoever He wills, and He tells them, فَآمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرُسُلِهِ So believe in Allah and His messengers. وَإِن تُؤْمِنُوا وَتَتَّقُوا And if you believe and you fear Allah, فَلَكُمْ أَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ Then for you is a great reward. So believe in the messengers and fear Allah. Now we see that after the messenger, wasallam, How does Allah expose the reality of people? Through what? Through situations like Uhud. Through situations like Bi'ir Ma'una. Through situations like 
الرجیر incident the incidents that I mentioned to you earlier that at these times it becomes clear who is a sincere believer and who is not that at the time of difficulty who still has hope in Allah who still firmly believes and who gives up his faith the one who gives up it's clear that he's not sincere and the one who doesn't give up who remains firm he is the one who is sincere now remember khubayb radiyallahu anhu who was captured by the mushrikeen and sold to the people of makka what happened with him we learned that khubayb he was detained for some time in makka meaning the people they kept him in captivity in a closed place in a secluded place for some time and then it was unanimously decided amongst the people of makkah that they were going to assassinate him and they weren't just going to go and assassinate him when he was alone somewhere no they were going to bring him out in public and assassinate him in public so what did they do they brought him out they made a cross for him so that they could crucify him in public they put him up over there and they didn't just take a sword and kill him no they started cutting pieces of his body while he was still alive can you imagine they brutally assassinated him and as they were cutting pieces of his body off it is said that one of the executioners he said that do you not wish that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was in your place right now that before you believed in muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam everything was fine and since you believed in him since you went with him to war against us this is why you're in trouble today so don't you blame muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam for the difficulty that you're suffering don't you want that he should be in your place he said never he said that i would never wish that i am at home and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam suffers even a thorn no i would never wish any kind of discomfort for him and at this the mushrikeen got so angry that they started saying kill him kill him now imagine the whole mob of people all the people they're chanting kill him kill him kill him and all the people took out their swords and their spears and they shot at him and this is how he passed away now this incident it clearly shows the faith the sincerity of khubayb radiyallahu anhu and this is why for the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we say radiyallahu anhum that may allah be pleased with them because of the sacrifices that they made in the way of allah when there were people who went for war with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and defended him with their backs with their hands with their bodies that if someone shot an arrow to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam they shielded him with their own body that showed that they had love for the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and if someone abandoned the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and left and later said i'm so happy i was not there what does that show them something different so it is through different tests through different situations in life that allah exposes our reality to us and also to others that for example if we you know at a time when someone has upset us at a time when someone has angered us if we go and humiliate them and forget all about sabr and gentleness whatever that we have learned then what does it show that what we have learned is not in our actions that our knowledge is useless for us that we are not one of those people who are taking knowledge seriously 
who are taking it to benefit ourselves. So our actions, they show to us what our status is. And Allah will publicize this. Allah will make you aware and others aware. So don't just think that learning is sufficient. Being good on the outward is sufficient. No. Being good on the inward is necessary. And it's at times of difficulty that Allah will expose the reality. You know what it is? When you get something easy, then you don't value it that much. When you endure difficulty, then you start valuing it. And Allah makes it difficult for us sometimes. That for example, coming on the weekends to learn the deen, coming at a time when we are tired or exhausted, when we have work to do at home, when we you know, have to struggle to get here, because other people don't like it that much, this is the time when the sincerity will come forth. And this is the time when you will also start to value what you're doing. That when we have something, we take it for granted. Right? Like for example, if somebody lives in Saudi, they think, you know, what's the big deal? Going for Umrah or going for Hajj, what's the big deal? Why are you so emotional about it? Right? Or wearing the hijab or learning the Qur'an, what's the big deal? But when they have to move away from there, and they realize that going there is not something that's easy to do all the time, every other weekend, then they realize its importance and value. And then they struggle for it. That the same thing when it comes to Islamic classes, that we think, oh, you know, all this knowledge should be for free and we should not be charged any fees because, you know, look, they're selling the deen and you should not be selling the deen. But the thing is that if you're not charged for it, then what happens? We take it for granted. We don't show up for the class. We don't do our lessons. We don't bother to attend the class seriously, right? But then when we have to pay for it, and our parents are paying the fees for it, then what happens? We start to value what we are getting. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes doing good difficult for us sometimes so that we start valuing it. And when that difficulty comes, there are two reactions. Some people give up and leave. They say, no, too expensive. I'm not paying any fees. I'm leaving this course. You know, I was sent a reminder and I was told by the group in charge and then I was followed up. You know, I can't deal with this. I'm leaving. And another is that you say, no, I should pay my fees. I should you know, fulfill my responsibility. And then you start valuing the class even more. So there are two reactions. One, losers. The other are winners. One is to embrace the challenge and the other is to give up. وَلَا يَحْزَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ يَبْخَلُونَ بِمَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهِ And never should those people think. Which people? Those people who are stingy with that which Allah has given to them. What is بُخُل? يَبْخَلُونَ is from بُخُل. بُخُل is to keep something that you must give away. There's something that you are obligated to give away. But still you keep it. This is what بُخُل. Now for example, if you have $10, it's your money. And you're not obligated to share some of that money with your younger brother. Okay? Why? Because your dad also gave him $10. He has $10, you have $10. He didn't tell you that you have to give any. So if you don't give him $2 out of your $10, are you being miserly? Are you being stingy? No, this is not bukhul. Alright? But if your dad told you, that buy lunch for yourself and also for him from this money. 
and you don't buy him lunch, then that is what? Bukhl. Okay? Now, if a person has a hundred dollars and their brother has zero, okay? And this person is buying something for themselves that costs only thirty dollars and their brother wants something that costs only five dollars. And they say, no, I'm not going to give you my money, it's mine. Is this bukhul? Yes, it is. Because even though they're not obligated to give those five dollars, but isn't it logical for them to give those five dollars? Because A, giving those five dollars is not going to be that difficult for them. And B, their brother needs it. So you understand. Bukhul is to not give what you should give. What you must give. Whether it is humanity that demands that you give it, or it is the law of Allah that demands that you give it, or it is, you know, being kind towards others that demands that you give it. Whatever it is that demands that you must give, when you don't give, that is bukhul. So those people who do bukhul, الَّذِينَ يَبْخَلُونَ They are niggardly, they are stingy. بِمَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ With that which Allah has given them from His bounty. It's not theirs. They didn't get it themselves. Allah is the one who gave it to them in the first place. They didn't deserve it. Allah was merciful towards them. He was generous towards them when He gave them. But yet they are stingy. So these people should never think that huwa khayran lahum, that it is good for them. What is good for them? Being stingy. Keeping everything to yourself and not giving anything to others. Never should they think that this is good for them. So for example, a person thinks, you know, I have my hundred dollars. Okay, I'm spending only thirty. My brother wants five dollars from me. I'm not going to give him those five dollars. I'm going to keep those five dollars with me and I will have seventy left. Because if I give him five, I will have sixty-five. So I have 70. And having 70 is better than 65. Allah says, no. Never think that having 70 here is better than 65. No, it's not good for them. بَلْ هُوَ شَرُّ لَهُمْ Rather, it is worse for them. It is most evil for them. It is bad for them. When a person is being stingy, he thinks that he has more. And he thinks that this is good for him. But in reality, he does not have any more. Because in the hadith, what do we learn? That sadaqah does not reduce wealth. Sadaqah does not reduce wealth. So giving those five dollars away is not going to reduce your wealth. Okay, you may have 65 left, but because of your generosity towards your brother, Allah will give you more. Whatever you spend, Allah replaces it. فَهُوَ يُخْلِفُ He replaces it. And when you don't give, then Allah will not give you more. And when people are ungrateful, then what they have is also taken away from them. So you feel that, okay, those $70 you're going to keep to yourself, and you keep them in your wallet, and you keep them in your bag, and your bag is right next to you. And the next thing you know, you went to a public washroom, and you hung your bag inside, and you forgot to bring it out with you. By the time you get there back, the bag is gone. So those $70 that you saved, gone. It is worse for them. What you have right now is not going to stay with you forever. So how much can you keep? How much can you save? How much can you keep to yourself? Eventually it's going to go. So give it away in the way of Allah and Allah will replace it for you. بَلْ هُوَ شَرُّ لَهُمْ And how else is it evil for them? 
that sayutawakuna soon they will be collared ma bakhilu bihi that which they were stingy with when yawm al on the day of judgment the money that they're hoarding the wealth that they're hoarding that they're keeping to themselves they're not giving to others the same wealth is going to collar them on the day of judgment sayutawakuna some they left astawaqa and tawq is a neck collar what is it a neck collar have you seen it on a cat or a dog a collar that is around their neck and on it is a leash and with it they are pulled with it they are taken and sometimes the animal does not wish to come but still he is pulled and dragged until he is forced to give up and come along so tawq Allah says over here sayutawwaquna they will be collared with what with the money that they hoarded meaning that same wealth is going to be wrapped around their necks on the day of judgment in a hadith we learn that whoever Allah makes wealthy and this person does not pay zakat that is due on that wealth, then on the day of resurrection, his wealth will be made in the likeness of a bald-headed poisonous snake with two black spots over the eyes. The snake will encircle his neck and bite him on his face, on his cheeks, and will say, I am your wealth, I am your treasure. So on the day of judgment, this wealth will take form of what? Of a snake that is poisonous, which is going to be wrapped around the neck of that individual and is going to bite him on his face. I am your wealth. I am your treasure. You wanted me. You didn't want to give even a part of me away. Here I am. سَيُطَوَّقُونَ مَا بَخِلُوا بِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلِلَّهِ مِرَاثُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ To Allah belongs the inheritance of the heavens and the earth. What is mirath? From وَوْرَاثَ إِرْث Inheritance is basically what is left behind by the owners when they're gone, when they die. A person is alive, he has his wealth. But when he goes away, when he dies, that wealth remains in this world. That's mirath. So when all the people are gone, كُلُّ مَنْ عَلَيْهَا فَانْ Then who will remain? وَيَبْقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ ذُو الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ Allah will remain. So all this money that we're hoarding, ultimately, who is it going to go to? Allah. It's His anyway. He gave it to you. And he's going to take it back to you. He's just testing you right now what you will do with it. Remember, the stuff that you have is not yours. It's not yours. But from when we are very little, even we start saying, mine, mine, mine. This is mine. We don't want to share. Little children, very little children, the hips, the greed that we have, the feeling that we have, that what we have is ours, whereas in reality it's not ours. Allah gave it to us. مَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ And eventually He's going to take it back. So right now He's just testing you, what are you going to do with it? وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ And Allah is aware of whatever that you do. What you are hoarding, what you are spending, how much are you spending, how much can you spend, where you are giving, where you should be giving. Allah is watching you, He's fully aware. You know like at the, at the end of the month you get your bank statement? This much money went at the grocery store. This much money went at a clothing store. This much money went at the gas station. This much money was you know, paid in bills. You get the statement at the end? Have you ever seen it? Every single transaction is recorded. And when you see it, you're shocked. Because even if a transaction is a few dollars, even that is recorded. 
Even that is recorded. And it adds up to how much? It adds up to how much? Sometimes more than your paycheck. Sometimes more than we can afford. Allah is fully aware of whatever that we're doing. Every transaction, every interaction is recorded. And He knows. Now why was this ayah revealed? What's the relevance of this ayah in this context? At the battle of Uhud, what happened? Because you see, the Muslims, they went for war with their wealth as well, right? They went with their money. Meaning the swords, the animals, whatever they took was theirs. It was their personal wealth. They took it in the way of Allah. And they came back having lost a lot of it. Or even some of it. Right? Remember Abu Dujana? The sword that he had, what happened to it? It was bent because he had used it so much. But a person who did not go out in the way of Allah, Abdullah bin Ubay, who came back home with his sword, perfectly safe and sound. The Prophet ﷺ, when he came back, his sword was full of blood. And he told his daughter to wash it. Ali anhu also gave his sword to his wife to wash it. So when a person goes out in the way of Allah, then he ends up spending in the way of Allah too. So for example, when you drive all the way here, you spend in your gas, right? The money that you have to pay, money that you have to give in buying gas in order to come here. Some of you drive from a very far place. Others don't do that. Some of you come on public transport. So paying for bus tickets, it adds up, doesn't it? Or paying for books, or paying in the fees. You spend in the way of Allah when you are out in the way of Allah. You have to do that. And there are others who decide not to go in the way of Allah because they don't wish to spend. The one who does not spend in the way of Allah, he stays back. He thinks that he has a lot. He thinks that he has saved a lot of money. And he feels pity for those whose money is going in their fees, in the gas, in buying their books, in buying their uniform, whatever it is. But never pity yourself when you have to spend in the way of Allah. Never. Even if it means you will not have much left. Because whatever little that you will have left, Allah will put barakah in that for you. That it will be enough for you, inshaAllah. Ask Allah to bless that wealth and Allah will. I remember once a sister shared that when she decided to take up a course, this one, the full-time one during the week, she was working before that. And she was being paid hourly. I don't remember how much money, but she was being paid hourly. And she gave up that job so that she could study full-time. She said, I left that job and my husband got another job elsewhere, which was more than the money that we were previously making, my salary and his salary combined. It happens. It happens with people. So never think that if you have to spend in the way of Allah, you're wasting your money. And if you're keeping your money from spending in the way of Allah, that you will save a lot. No. You're not going to save that much. How much are you going to save? Eventually it's going to go. Eventually you're going to leave it. Eventually it's going to leave you. So spend in the way of Allah happily. Happily. And Allah will put barakah in the money that you have. 